This morning, we are going to talk about money. Yeah, so this is a subject that every pastor wants to preach on and that everyone in the church wants to hear about, right? Yeah, we all love the sermon on tithing, don't we? So it is one of those. And you know, I used to get really nervous teaching on money and giving and tithing. I always worried that people would think that uh, I was after their money because where money's involved, there's invariably a whiff of suspicion and self-interest floating around. But I'm kind of over that fear now because what I've realized is that the Bible's got a lot to say about our money and about how we use it. And also, the things that we do as a church cost money. Mainly music. You know, to set this up, we've, the church has invested financially in this to get it set up and up and running. We spend money on our Sundays. We have spent money on donuts this morning. Thank you, God. We love our donuts. But what we do, it costs us to rent this space. It costs money. Our kids' church, we invest money in that. Our youth costs money. Our worship team, we invest money in that. We have um, a staff team. Or we invest in that by paying salaries. So, so money is all around us. It's a real thing. So I want to look today about what God says about giving. And what I want to do, I'll do in a, in a couple of sections. I'm just going to go through the kind of biblical teaching on why money is so important and why we should give into, into God's work. Um, and then I'm going to look at a, a passage briefly in Corinthians and just three short points off of that to maybe encourage us or to um, challenge us. One, well, or both. Does that sound okay? Does that sound okay? Okay. So, like I said, the Bible's got a lot to say about money. And... One of the reasons that, that it's important we talk about it is that in 1 Timothy, Paul says that, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So there's a reason alone that maybe we should pay some attention to money and, our, and the motives that, that money can bring in our lives. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So, and I think that's an interesting phrase that Jesus uses there because he's immediately turning the, the, um, the issue of treasure or possessions or money or goods or whatever to a heart thing. And, and it be, it, then it starts to infiltrate our worship, right? So where, the, where our treasure is, there the desires of our heart will be also. And there's a stat that I found that in, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of six verses deals with money. And of the 29 parables that Jesus told, 16 deal with a person and their money. So, so that obviously this is maybe something we don't want to talk about, but the Bible talks about it a lot, so we need to talk about it, yeah? Um, so as a church, when we speak about giving, um, we often use the term tithing, which is a kind of Bible word or a church word for giving financially into the church, into God's work. So what does it mean to tithe? So, so the word tithe means a tenth. So it's 10%. That's what it means. So if I use the phrase tithing, you'll know that's kind of where it's come from. And so today I just want to start by describing what, what tithing is. Um, and to do that, we have to go back to the Old Testament. So we're going to spend a few minutes in the Old Testament, a few minutes in the New Testament, and we'll have a look at this passage in, in uh, Corinthians. So in the Old Testament, God asked that everyone give back to him a tenth of their income. So in Leviticus 27, it says... 
God says this, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. So there's a principle of the tithe, the 10%, the tenth, set out very early in the Old Testament. So, so the question we should ask is this, why did God ask for this? Why did he ask for this tenth, this tithe? What was it used for? Well, primarily the tithe that the children or the Israelites gave in um, to the priest was to be used to support the priests who were working at the temple. It was God's ways of supporting those who worked at the temple. We, we see this in Numbers chapter 18. It says, The Lord said to, to Aaron, Your priests will receive no allotment of land or share of property among the people of Israel. I am your share and your allotment. As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. So the people were tithing in to the temple and that money was used to support the priests and to support the work of the temple. Now, if you think that really is the principle that I've just spoke about, about we invest money in all these different areas of ministry in our church. So that principle still stands. And then why did God ask the nation of Israel to do this? You know, why, was it just about supporting the Levites, the priests, because if you think like, we have to ask the question, does God need our money? Well, I would say, no, he doesn't really need our money. Because God has all the resources of the world and beyond at his fingertips. Psalm 50, it's, God says this, I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. So when you look at that context about God's ownership, we could say that God doesn't need our money. So it's obvious then that we have to look in like why is the principle of giving so important to God? What is it that he wants us to, to learn from it? Because the, 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 the tithe that went to support the priesthood, this, was, this act of tithing was much more than just a practical way of supporting them. The focus of tithing, really, I would say, is not where the money goes. The focus of tithing is on the person who gives it. It's about why we give in, what is the heart behind it. And the tithe was God's way of regularly reminding the people that everything that we have belongs to him. Again, this is um, affirmed again in Deuteronomy, where God says to the people again, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks, and the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling place for his name, so that you may learn to reveal the Lord your God always. So he's saying, set aside a tenth of all you have, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. It's not about God trying to take from us. When we give, when we are generous, we learn to revere God more. It intensifies our worship. It makes what we give to God real and worthwhile and authentic. In the Old Testament, 
God gave many laws that applied to Israel as a nation. They had dietary laws to help keep them healthy. There were also civil laws that maintained law and order. They had ceremonial laws and religious festivals to help them bind together and create community as a nation. But tithing was slightly different because the tithe, tithe was given to be a constant reminder of our need of God and to combat self-reliance. You see, particularly in our nation where we live, you know, in terms of the, the world, we are a rich nation. And we don't really want for much. And it's so easy for us to become self-sufficient, self-reliant, even independent of others. We can make ourselves financially independent. But the tithe in the Old Testament was given to be a constant reminder of our need of God and to combat self-reliance, which also means that our reliance then goes on to God, that we rely on him. Deuteronomy 8, God says this, or it says that God did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth of my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. The giving of the tithe is God's way of reminding us the truth that we see in Psalm 24, which says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. So God isn't asking for our money because he needs it. He's asking for us to contribute to his work, to his kingdom. Because we have to know that we're relying on him and not on ourselves. And tithing was an important principle in the Old Testament. It was something that, something that God took very seriously. And so seriously, in fact, that it's the only area in our lives where we are permitted to put God to the test. To see the cause and effect that tithing, that, sorry, to see the cause and effect that tithing has in our relationship with God. And in Malachi chapter 3, it says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But he asked, What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? God says, You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God is saying here, when we give sacrificially to him, that, that in return will result in blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And God's saying to the people here, and if you don't believe me, give it a try. Put it to the test and see what happens. Now, we, we all want to see an outpouring of God's blessing, right? Yeah? Right, this is interactive, guys. So like, tell me if you do. If you if do don't, then one of us is in the wrong place, right? But we do, we want to see an outpouring of God's blessing. We want to see revival in this town, don't we? In this nation, you know? And, and if we're holding things back from God, then we're holding back blessing. But when we give out to God, when we give away, when we're generous, God says he will open the windows of heaven and bless. Now, to be clear, given to God and being generous with our resources is not a transaction. It's not a transaction where we give 
an expectation to receive something back. That would be like giving someone a gift for their birthday on the expectation that I expect you to give me a present when it's my birthday. Now, maybe you do do that, I don't know. But, but it shouldn't be. You give out of love, you give um, out of acknowledgement and to recognize that person. You see, giving is worship that glorifies God. Giving is worship that glorifies God. And when we worship God, when we come here on a Sunday or when you're in your own space at home and you're giving your thanks and praise to God, where is your heart? Is your heart doing that to say, well, God, I'm going to worship you so that I can get some of the things I want and need? Or do you just give it without expectation? Do you just give it to God and say, God, do what you will with this? Giving financially, giving our money is no different to giving our time or energy or adoration to God. We give it without expectation, but God says, I will bless you. So it's not to get the blessing, but it's to know that the blessing will come. So that, in a very small nutshell, is what the Old Testament says about tithing. Now, you might be thinking at this point, okay, so tithing was something that they did in the Old Testament. So how does that affect us today? Now, there's many people believe that tithing as an Old Testament law is something that doesn't apply to the church today. So I don't believe that. So I'm hoping I can blow that myth apart very quickly. <laughs> right? So the question then would be, if it doesn't apply to, the, to New Testament teaching, the, the question then is, should Christians tithe today? Should we be given financially into God's work? Now, there's a, there's a kind of line of um, teaching which says that in the Bible there are precepts, principles, and preferences. And so, just very quickly, the precept is a command. So, God gives a, a command to tithe. And the principle is the underlying truth or motive behind the command that must be applied. And the preference is the personal application of the principle. So, we have the command, we have the, um, the truth or the motive behind the command, and we have the application of that principle. And I would argue that the precept of tithing is based on the underlying principle of recognizing that God is our provider. And that God has commanded us to tithe. He's told us it's for our good. And then it's up to us then whether we do the preference thing, whether we um, act upon that and give to God. And I believe that this underlying principle is as relevant today as it was 4,000 years ago when God gave the command. And we should be applying this principle today as it was applied in the Old Testament. So if we move to the New Testament, we'll have to ask what did Jesus say about tithing? So Jesus addresses this issue, or one of the times addresses the issues in Matthew 23. And he's talking to the religious leaders of the time known as the Pharisees. And he says, now, we have to make sure we get the Pharisees in context. We sometimes see them as like bad guys. But the, the Pharisees, their main objective um, was to see the law of God being fulfilled or fulfilled wrong word, but be carried out. Right? So they were really sticklers to the kind of legal aspect of the law that you must do everything that the law says. Now, we know Jesus came to, to deal with that. 
and he brought grace that we don't have to prove ourselves to God that only by receiving the grace of Jesus uh, that's all we need to have a relationship with God. So he's talking to his religious leaders um, about how they were tithing, how they were um, fulfilling the law of tithing. So he says this to them and he goes in a, a very softly, softly approach. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. I was being ironic there, by the way, when I said so. He says, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. This really sums up how Jesus dealt with the law. While the main focus of his discussion with the Pharisees is about their hypocrisy, we clearly, hear, we clearly see that Jesus is telling them that they should be tithing. So that's okay. They were tithing, so they should be doing that. And it's something that should be practiced. But what Jesus challenged was their heart and their motive behind it. When Jesus taught on the, on, when, when he taught with his sermon on the mount, Jesus dealt with a lot of the commandments, the Ten Commandments, or the law of Moses. And um, when we look at the Ten Commandments, so we take the commandment, thou shalt not murder. Jesus took that commandment and he made it tougher than it first seems. The, the, the commandment, do not murder. If you think about it, that's not a high bar. You know, to, 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 to not kill someone, that's not a high bar, is it? I mean, if you were, I won't ask you, but I mean, if you, <laughs> but if you were to go to a room full of people and ask, has anyone here killed someone? Like most people, like most people haven't done that. It's not a high bar. However, Jesus said, if you commit murder in your heart, if you want someone dead, if you think ill of someone, if you think badly of something, if you, um, in your heart, desire to see, um, to, to wish that someone's demise will come in whatever way you wish harming them, Jesus says that's the same as breaking the commandment, thou shalt not murder. You see, we think don't kill is a high bar. It's actually a low bar. What Jesus sets us is a higher bar. He says, don't just not kill people, but be kind to people, even your enemies. And when it comes to tithing, Jesus is saying, yes, give, but give with a grateful, generous, open heart with pure motives. Not so that you can say, I have done my bit. I have fulfilled what I'm supposed to do. And it's a fine line sometimes because we want to be obedient to God, but we don't do it out of duress. We do it out of love and out of response to the grace and mercy that he has shown us. And in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul connects the Old Testament tithing model with the modern practice of giving to the church. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 13. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple to get their meals, sorry, start again. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? So Paul's talking about that very thing that I mentioned back from Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. So what Paul is saying here is that pastors or ministers or 
People are, paid, are, are employed by churches. Today are supported in the church in the same way that the priests in the Old Testament were supported in the temple through the giving of the people, through the tithes. So we've got the same principle carrying through. So what I want to do then, is that okay? Does that make sense? Are we, yeah, you follow that journey through. Okay, I know it was quite quick. So what we'll do is just have a quick look at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15. Um, and just look at just three quick points I want, I want to give you to, to, to think about. So 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 6. Um, right, let me grab my Bible. Got a new Bible, guys. It's a belter. I, I, I need to get a new Bible <laughs> because I needed a large print because I realized when I, was, I can read it at home, but when I get up, and read my other Bible for here, I'm like squinting. So this is large print for the, for the middle-aged man. Um, right. There's a point. Billy bought the same Bible on the same day. Sorry, I forgot about that. I told Billy, he's now got the same Bible as a pastor, which means he's going to have to come up here and yes. read that at some point. So, so uh, it's, it's, out, it's, out, it's out there, Billy. It's out there. Okay, right, where are we? 9 verse 6. Okay, Paul says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide... This is important, but you must each decide in your own heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Okay, I want you to hear that loud and clear. Do not give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, we're back to that. Giving away, giving away, love it. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. I've got the right one here. Yep. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will glorify God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift that is the gift of giving. Too wonderful for words. Isn't that good? Does that not make you want to give? See, that, see, that's not under duress. That's not under pressure. So three things very quickly I just want to look at here. Number one, giving is rooted in God's love. Giving is rooted in God's love. Not in pressure, not under duress, not in expectation, but in God's love. 
It says in verse 7 that people should give not because they have to, but because they want to, because God loves a cheerful giver. The purpose of giving is to, is to remind us of God's love. We give to God out of the abundance he has given to us. Given as a recognition of God's faithfulness and a celebration of his provision for us. Have you ever thought about giving as being a celebration? A celebration of what God has given to us. Our giving is rooted in the fact that all we have has been given to us from God and therefore our giving is an expression of our thanks and is part of our worship. And that's why today we wanted to put the baskets round while we were still in that place of worship. Given under pressure or given under duress or under expectation, we can all do that. But do you know you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. What we do for God flows out of our love for him. It is an extension of our worship. And, and what sometimes turns people off giving is the idea that tithing is just a command. It's something that we have to do. But God asks us to do this not only out of duty, out of obedience, but out of love. And in the Old Testament, it gets better. There's more opportunities to give. In the Old Testament, there were not only tithes, but there were also offerings. Offerings were things that people gave freely beyond the tithe just to show their love for God. And in the New Testament, we also see offerings given above and beyond the tithe. And that's why we would talk about in the church both tithes and offerings. The tithe is just the beginning. For example, we have our table out there for Love Falkirk food donations. That's not your tithe, that's part of your offering. We give that over and above. When we were... Um, sending our youth to DTI a few months ago, people were offering, people gave money as an offering, not as a tithe, over and above what we'd normally give so you could pay for some tickets for young people. That's the offering. In our, um, I've got this noted later, I'll just tell you this one just now. In, we had a trustees meeting about, maybe I don't know how many years ago, three, three years ago maybe. And then um, what we do here is that we always set aside 10% of everything we receive into the church. So your tithes, offerings, and gifted, which we also take as a, a, an income. We, we add all that together and we would take 10% of that and we give it away to various places. And we had a trustees meeting a few years ago and we worked out what that figure was going to be for the year. And I can't remember which one of us said it, but someone said, that doesn't seem like a lot of money, the 10%. And we very quickly agreed yeah, it doesn't. So we then decided that we would increase our tithe from 10% to 15%. So we now as a church, we give away 15% because we felt we had to be, go beyond and we could do so much more. And I've got to say, it's the, it's the most favorite thing that I get to do as a pastor of this church, is to give away, like, in some cases, thousands of pounds to groups that are not really connected to us. It's, it's beautiful. I love doing it. And even, you know that, you know, we came through a kind of tough financial phase um, last year. 
Um, we had to reduce our paid staff uh, and all that, but we never reduced our giving. That 15%, we didn't say, tell you what, we'll put that back to 10 this year because we have this financial difficulty. No, we kept the amount we gave and we gave it away. And we've continually done that. And I, and I, say, and I don't say it boastfully, I say it to, to say that this is a fulfillment of the word of God, that we have never been in the red, we've never had debt, and we've always paid our bills. Even in the darkest times, or when we felt like we were at our darkest times, but we never went below zero, never ever. We've never had a debt, and we are still able to give generously and freely into other groups. And actually this year, we have a, finan- a fantastic um, bookkeeper and treasurer in Ruth Allen, who's amazing, but she actually miscalculated a tithe from last year, and we've actually got an extra £3,000 to give away. I'm, I'm right, yeah? So well done, Ruth. But I think... <laughs> I love the fact that, great, we get to give away more. And Lorraine and I are now currently thinking, pray over, where is that going to go? Um, Ruth just wants us to get it out of the bank before the end of the financial year. That's where it comes. So that's got to go. But we love doing it. We love doing it. So we have tithes and we have offerings. So 10% is a, a recommendation, but you can go beyond it. Romans 12 and 1. Paul says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. See, this word offer is the, the essence of worship. Worship is offered to God. We offer our lives to God. And there's no other area of life where giving, is, or giving an offering is so concrete as in the area of money. This is where the rubber meets the road. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren said this. You can tell this was written a long time ago because he's talking about a checkbook. So, young people, it's app, you're banking app at your online banking. He said, did you know that your checkbook and your calendar are theological documents? Without even knowing you, if you were to show me your checkbook stubs and you were to show me your schedule, I could tell you right now what you love because the way you spend your time and the way you spend your money shows what you love the most. It's just true, isn't it? It's just true. So giving is rooted in God's love. Secondly, giving releases God's blessing. In verse 10 of our passage, it says that he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. The Bible is clear that when we give, we receive back from God. Look at the example of the feeding of 5,000. Five loaves and two fishes given, thousands fed. That's the principle of giving. And by the way, that wee guy who gave his lunch that day didn't tithe his lunch, he gave his whole lunch. Just saying. We give and God gives back. We see this both the Old and the New Testament, that obedience leads to blessing. We've already read that in Malachi 3. And then in Luke 6, this is reinforced. And Jesus says, given you will receive, your gift will return to you full, return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. If we really believe what it says in Malachi 3 
and it says in Luke 6, that means that a lot of people might be missing out on God's blessing. It might be missing out on God's blessing when it comes to finances because we're relying on ourselves. And then thirdly, giving results in God's kingdom advancing. There we go. There's the deal clincher. That's what we want to see. This passage says in Corinthians that when we give, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. People will praise God. People will come to God. The kingdom will be extended. Giving is evangelistic. It proves our faith in God and it results in God's kingdom moving forward. So as we close, I've got some good news and some bad news. The the good news, I'm just going to tell you, Georgia, the good news is that the church has all the money it needs. Yeah? The bad news is that it's still in your wallets. I thought it was funnier than that, but anyway. <laughs> if we're going to see the kingdom of God advance, remember, the church of Jesus Christ is a growth project. Didn't Jesus say, I will build my church? Didn't he say to the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations? Didn't he promise that, that, that people upon people upon people would come and be added to the church? Didn't he say in the Acts that he would add to the church daily. It's a growth project. And the reason the church will keep growing, or if the church is to keep growing, is because of generosity. It's because of giving away. Not hoarding, not keeping to ourselves, it's giving away. We have always found that those who currently give, so people who are giving to our church, when, we, when I do a talk like this, a lot of these people give more. You see, it's almost infectious. If we have a, a need in the church, I can tell you that the people who are already given the most will give again. Generosity is infectious. It's like, you can't, it's like you can't help yourself. It's a hard thing. Most of the people who give in our church give through stand and order. And I think I'm right, Ruth will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure on the first of the month we get a deluge of trans- yeah, we do money transferred in because people are giving it to the church on the first of the month. It's the first thing that comes out of their bank account. Isn't that great? Love it. I love it. You know, and just on the record for this, Lorraine and I, our leadership team, our trustees, all give at least 10% of our income into the church. Right, and it's important, it's important for me as the pastor of this church to be able to stand up and say that. And you may think that they should be generous because they're leaders, but I can tell you they are leaders because they're generous. They were generous before they were leaders, and if I sacked them all tomorrow, they would still be generous because it's in their heart. They would still do it. They're leaders because they're generous. It is their generosity of spirit that makes them leaders. And there's so many others who do this in our church. Their mindset and heart set is always, do I need to give more? But as I've already said, we don't want to force this upon people. I can't make you give, and I certainly cannot and would not enforce it upon you. But what I will say is this. If you tithe or you don't tithe, 
if you serve or you don't serve, if you support me or not, if you give or if you take, we will serve you, we will provide for you, we will train and equip you, we will love you, and you will always be welcome here. Because being generous isn't about what you receive, it's all about what you give. Giving to God and being generous with other resources is not a transaction. It is worship that glorifies God. Why don't we stand?